All right. The good news is, one, the air conditioning has been bumped down, so it's going to get cooler in here in just a second. Um, the bad news is I don't know how to use the thermostat, so anytime it's uncomfortable, just say David, and he knows exactly what you need. He is the man. Um, and I'd like to take a moment just to brag. Yeah, that was my wife up here saying. Um, very, very, very grateful. It's uh, Sometimes it's just about being willing to step out on faith and just do what God calls you to do. And that can be a scary thing sometimes, but that is who we are and that is what we're called to do. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to come into your house to to worship and to sing praises and to, to be with our friends and family. And Father, we just ask that you be with us during this time of the service. Take from me, Father, the desire to speak my own word, but fill me with your spirit that all of the words I speak would be pleasing to you and would be for the edification of your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I like the way this passage starts out. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. It indicates that something happened prior to him being led to the wilderness. And something did happen. Something pretty important in his life. He was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. But see, something happened after his baptism that that he had to encounter something. I don't think so much for his benefit, but for our benefit. And it was the opportunity, and I do mean the word opportunity, to be led into the desert to be tempted, or as some translations say it, tested by the tempter, that being Satan. You see, for our benefit, we already know that Christ is... God in the form of man. We already know that that he is perfected in every form and fashion that man hasn't. That there is no temptation that that he can experience that he's not going to be able to overcome. But for our benefit, we see that, that God works on the plane of humanity equally with each and every one of us. To be able to deal with the things that life brings us. See, Christ spent 40 days and 40 nights without food or water, being tested by Satan himself. And what that says to us is that through God's Spirit, we have the ability to withstand the temptations that life brings to us. And I don't necessarily mean the the temptations that we always think of, of of overeating or or impure sexual activity or things of that nature. But when we look at the words that Jesus said here, it speaks of a, a, a broad statement, a broad instance, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is a broad statement. 
And for each of us individually, we could probably break it down to some aspect of our life. And I think what I want to break it down to today is our willingness to, to not just step forward on faith, but, but to step forward on faith and make commitments to God. Because you see, each and every one of us have to choose for ourselves whom we will be as a people and how we will serve God. The bread of God that Christ talks about is what gives nourishment to our lives. And that is the Word of God, the very foundation of Christianity, the very foundation of our moral code as a people is based off of the Word of God. It tells us what's right and what's wrong. And even in those gray areas, it gives us the ability to look into circumstance and see how God revealed himself to humanity through those circumstances and how he can still do that today. But when God calls for us to move and when God calls for a commitment, we as a people have to be able to say, this is who I am. And this is where I stand. Much like Joshua said to Israel at the end of their journey. We came from the land of Egypt and you saw the gods that they worshipped there. And on our journey in the wilderness, you saw the gods that, that the other people we encountered worshipped. And some of you even worshipped other gods yourself. But we taught you the ways of God. He gave us his commandments. We, we saw him bring water out of a rock when there was no water around. We saw miracle after miracle, but now the day has come to do this one very thing. You must choose this day whom you will serve. And I, like Joshua, will say this. Regardless of who you or society chooses to serve, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And part of serving God we have to talk about our work ethics as we work in the environments that God put us in. You see, we're called to be people of integrity, and when we go into our workforce or even our homes or even our churches, the way that we work and go about handling our business says a lot about us and our relationship with God. We want to achieve things. If you're like me, I have goals, small goals and large goals, and I want to achieve each and every one of those goals. One of those goals is, as some people have pointed out in the past few months, that I have put on a lot of weight. Well, my goal has been to take that weight off, and, and, and since that first encounter, I'm down 20 pounds. But it wasn't because I just wanted it to happen. I changed the way I eat, and I changed... Uh, my daily activities to put in more exercise so that I can accomplish that goal. See, Proverbs 14 says that all hard work bring for, brings forth a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And that's one of the important things that, that we have to understand when it comes to, to expect, or expecting our goals to be fulfilled, is that as so long as they stay in our hearts and mind, they're nothing more than dreams and fantasies. If we don't act on what we want, it'll never come to be about. We can sit around all day long and talk about how we want to, to change our community for the better. We can talk all day long about how it is that, that I want to change the way I perceive the way someone communicates with me. And I can talk all day long about how I want to build a new building to park my golf cart in. 
But until I stop talking and start making plans, nothing is going to happen. See, part of the the walk with God is is us being empowered to overcome our temptations. And sometimes that temptation is, like I said, is I don't want to get up and move when I need to move. But when we choose to get up and move, we experience God in ways that we may never have experienced Him before. Just the fact that we feel empowered to move on an idea says a lot about God's activity in our lives because surely we can't muster up that, that feeling or that passion all on our own. But when the Spirit moves in us, it's God's Spirit bearing witness to our spirit saying this, that, that this is my will for you. And I want you to have a sense of excitement in life. And I want you to, to look at that goal that you have out there in front of you and know that it's not something that we can't Come, come to understand as something that we can achieve. It is an achievable goal. It may take a day. It may take a month. It may take a year. But if we start walking in integrity with God, obeying His Word, and putting forth the effort, then we will find a profit for the work that we put out. That road of decision-making and acting out on our decisions is the road that leads to prosperity. If God says that mere talk leads to poverty, then we can understand that mere actions leads to prosperity. And God says this about our work also. That no matter what we do, whether we eat or whether we drink, whether we're cutting the grass at the church or or, or teaching in a schoolhouse, children, the things that they need to know about life, or if we're doing jobs that are unpleasant but are necessary for society to function, we are to do it like this. We are to do those jobs with a heart focused on God, as if the very job that we are doing isn't for ourselves but is for God ourselves. Because, you know, sometimes when we do things for man, we can start thinking about why it is that we're doing it. We might start thinking, well, that person may not deserve to have me do this for them. Or that person that I'm doing this for may not even care that I'm doing it. But when I come to understand that that what I'm doing is bigger than me and bigger than my community and bigger than the people around me, then I can start seeing that, that what I'm doing is what I'm doing is for God. And that I am a person who wants to be pleasing to God. So that would challenge me to to look at my attitude about why and how I do things. Because my desire to please God is much greater than any desire to please any person I know. And whether that's to cut your grass or to love you as a people or to love my wife even more. Treat all of our tasks as if we're performing each one for God himself. Because you see, the reality is that the opportunities that are before us and the tasks that that are there for us to do 
are there because God allowed them to be there. They are opportunities for us to, to serve one another, to serve our community, and to serve God himself as he carries out his will in our lives. And that temptation goes even further than just what Jesus was initially tested with. The devil came to him and said and, and did these things. The scripture says that the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said to him that if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him and said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And I think that was an amazing response that, that Jesus gave Satan to that um, circumstance. And I think it's one that I like to apply sometimes to my life when I start examining things. You see, God will put tasks that are in front of me that, that I deem to be more difficult than what I would like them to be. And sometimes when I find difficulty in them, I want to start finding a shortcut to get it done. Well, shortcuts don't always pay off. Sure, there's a smart way to do, to do things, but there's also a wrong way in doing things. And that wrong way is often trading the glory of God for a promise of something that may or may not be. I call those shortcuts. You see, Satan took Christ himself into the holy city and placed him on the highest point of the temple. And asked him to cast himself down. He's not asking Jesus to commit suicide. He's asking Jesus to test God at his very word. And when we move beyond, I don't want to do something we move in to I want to quit and I want to give up. But we want to stand on God's word. That when we're taken to the mountaintop or we're standing on the pinnacle of that temple and we see all the glory that God has created in this earth and Satan says to us, cast yourself down and trust God to catch you. That is the same thing as saying, take your life and throw it away. You see, Satan is the deceiver of this world. He likes to take God's word and twist it and shape it and mold it so that we understand his point instead of the truth about what the gospel has to say. Take your life and cherish it and take every aspect of it just as serious as you possibly can. Because when we take God at his word, We find confidence in his ability to carry out 
each and every task. We don't test God. And if we are going to test God, there is only one area of our life that God ever gave us permission to test. And I'll challenge you on that today. That if we're going to test God, then, then let us put our test to the faith and the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole offering into the storehouse so that there may be food in the house. And here it is, God's word himself. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open floodgates of heaven and pour out so many blessings upon you that you will not have room enough to store them. Isn't that a a wonderful promise that God makes to his people? All through the scriptures we are told to, to trust and obey to walk on faith, just accept that, that God is who he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, but don't put him to the test. But this one time he tells us all, it's okay, I want you to test me. I want you to know that, that through obedience to my word, that I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out blessings upon you. Now, God doesn't promise to make anyone rich. We're not prosperity preaching here. But blessings come in our lives in many, many different ways. And there are times that I can look back on my life when I can see that there are things that have happened, and I'm sure that you can too, when you can say, had God not been there, things would have been much, much different. Think about the sermon that David was preaching last Sunday about how he was... Uh, experienced the traumatic breakup when his fiance called him up and said that, that he, she was going to leave him, that she wasn't going to marry him. The pain that he went through during that time of his life. But trusting in God, he continued to move forward with his walk. Knowing that there were opportunities ahead of him, accepted by faith until he met his wife, Jennifer, who was a much greater blessing than the one he had before. It may not look as if God is working in your lives, but believe you me, he is every minute of every hour. The paying of tithes is much more than just giving God a portion of what it is that he has given to us. You see, we are the church. And we support the, the ministry of Jesus Christ in our community. And in order to support that ministry, you have to have resources. You see, we as a people when we give our tithes and offerings, when we're obedient to God in that aspect of our life, we're not just giving away funds for the sake of giving it away. We are building the kingdom of God in our community. We are providing resources and and activities for our elderly adults. We're, We're providing activities and the expansive knowledge of God and how he works in our lives to our children and our special needs community. When we invest our our money 
in the church, we invest our lives in the community of God. So put God to the test on that one if you're going to test him. I challenge you, and I promise you, you won't be disappointed. For God loves to bless the obedience of his children. You see, we have to decide on who we are as a people in order to benefit from the relationship of Christ. If I just knew my wife by name and she knew me by name, we would do neither one of us any good. But when we spend time with each other, talking to one another about our lives, about our feelings and about our passions and our desires, then we become to understand more in depth who we are as a people and, and who we are as a couple. And our relationship with God is the same way. Too many times our experience with God begins and ends with walking in and walking out those doors. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to walk in, and I want you to stay probably a little longer than you normally do. But when you leave this building, don't leave God behind. Pick up the Bible and read, if not daily, once a week, and see what God reveals to himself about you. I promise you it'll be something that's surprising to you because it is God's desire that his children know him more intimately each and every day. Spend time in prayer during this time of uh, this season of Lent. We, we spoke a little bit about, about fasting this past Wednesday night as we move into Lent, that, that fasting gives us the opportunity to take something out of our lives that stands in between, in between man and God. Something that keeps us from seeing or hearing God more clearly or more fully. Or something that keeps us from giving of ourselves fully to God. I picked Denisa this morning a little bit about her coming up to singing. And I told her yesterday, I said, I'm going to preach to you today. And I don't really mean I'm preaching to her. But, but in general, that sometimes I think that we need to take a step back in time and see how the old folks did it. You see, they came into a church house when they were young, and, and it wasn't just about family, and it wasn't just about friends. It was about the worship of God Almighty. And part of that worship and part of that act was seen in their commitment to ensure that the church was present and active in their day and in the days to come. You see, they were committed to, to anything that needed to be done, and they never took much concern about anything else. One of the guys at one of my other churches cut the church grass, and that was his gift to God, and he wouldn't let anyone else come out and cut his grass. Every Saturday, weather permitting, he was on the property of Friendship United Methodist Church on his lawnmower, cutting his grass. And he would tell you afterwards, after he sat back and, and relaxed, feeling good about his accomplishment, he said, did anybody ever cut the church grass as good as it is right now? And what he was saying was this, is that he took that task that God gave him, though it would seem many, minimal to many people, and he turned it into a thing of passion. That was his act of service to God. 
He didn't care what anybody else was doing that Saturday afternoon, whether they were barbecuing or watching a football game. He wanted to be what God had called him to be. He committed to doing that. And I think that sometimes in our society, that one of the things that we want to get beyond is this, being scared of committing to the thing that God has called us to. I hear people say it all the time that, that I don't want to commit to something because if I commit to something, then people will expect something out of me. When you're right, people expect each and every one of us, including myself, to carry out the very call that God put in front of me. If my call means cutting the church grass, then I show up and I cut the church grass and I do it with passion. It adds to the quality of my life. At the end of the day, when I lay down and get ready to go to sleep, I can go to sleep with peace of mind instead of a cynical heart, thinking, well, they thought they were going to get something over on me. No, I go to bed thinking, praise God, that I had the opportunity to serve in full capacity to God today. The temptation... To think that, that, that our service to God is something that's due to someone else is a mistake. Our commitment to God is us saying to God, thank you for the opportunity that you have given to me to serve it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says. And I know what it feels like sometimes when you're, when you're doing something and, and you feel like you're the only one doing it. You start thinking to yourself that, you know, if, if I keep doing this, then they're going to keep expecting it of me. And you're right, they are, because people expect us to, to fulfill God's will in our life. Then we also start thinking things like this, that, that why am I doing this when nobody else is helping? Because you're called of God to do it. And let me share with you the wonderful impact that you have on society by showing up when others don't. They look to you as a leader. They look to you in, in, in times of difficulty and say, you know what? I saw that person over there smiling and laughing and carrying on, performing the task that God called them to do, even though they were doing it by themselves. And now here I am in my time. And I'm not finding peace and I'm not finding happiness. And all the people that are around me who are complaining about things not getting done are surrounding me. But I'm going to look to that one person who's over there doing what they're supposed to do happily and gladly. And eventually I am going to see that that one person is the one that I want to mimic. That is the one that I want to follow. That that is the person that I can trust when I go to them. And that's the, the reward that we get from being obedient to God's call. It may be true that, that when you step forward and answer a call to service, that, that other people may require or think that you handle all the work. And it may be required that for a season you might just do that. But eventually those people who want to scoff, those people who want to be lazy, those people who don't want to be productive will fall away. And when those people start falling away, the other people, the people that you want to be around you, the people that are going to, to encourage you along, not just in word but in deed, will eventually come over and they will pick up that hammer with you. They'll come over they'll pick up that songbook with you. They'll come over and they'll help you cut that grass, do whatever it is has to do, because they look to you and see something that the world can't give them. And it is peace and happiness and security in performing our call to God.
You may not think that that one thing in life is important. But when God assigns it, grab hold of it and love it with all the passion you have and do everything you can to fulfill its purpose. Because it's not just bringing peace to your life, but it's impacting and changing the world around you. You see, God does wonderful things in our lives. And I believe that he has no intention on stopping now. I know that because as we face uncertainty about our future with the upcoming vote, I find comfort in knowing these things. That in the past few weeks, some of you have said, it is not my vision, it is God's. And I can't explain to you how much confidence that instills in me about your desire to see God's plans through. And other people have come up to us this week. And yes, I've approached a few who have said, Tommy, I've given my life to Christ. And I've been baptized in the water and I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But there are things missing from our lives. And that is to be part of a family of God in the church community. So at this time, I would like to invite all those folks who I spoke to and who desire to be part of Alpha United Methodist Church to come forward as we bring you into our family. So we're going to ask a few questions here of this wonderful group of people. And then if I don't get somebody's name correct, please forgive me. So I present to you Joey, Kim, Julie, Mary, Jay, Colleen, Dean, M. They come seeking professing members to Alpha United Methodist Church. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce your spiritual forces of wickedness, reject evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If yes, say, I do. 
Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? And now to the congregation. I will ask, will you nurture each and every one of these people today in Christian life and include these members now before you in your care? And if you will, say, I do. Will you, with God's help, proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? I do. Will you surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness? that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. Will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? I do. I do. All right. Now, as members of Christ Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? I will. As members, this as members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers and presence, your gifts, your servants, and your witnesses? I will. I will. All right. Well, members of the household of God, I commend to you these persons to your loving care. Please confirm their hope and perfect them in love. For through their baptism, they were incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We today, in Christ Jesus, with joy and thanksgiving, welcome you into Alpha Methodist Church. Thank you. Now, as we get ready to close our, and sing our final song, if you guys will stand here and uh, sing. When the hymn is over, y'all come down and love on all these good folks here shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Now y'all come love on everybody.